right? There's so many people who are taking sick days that they're not actually sick for uh, that we've come to this thing where, we, where nobody gets trusted. You know, it's a small percentage of people, truly, but that small percentage of people is what's wrecking it for the rest of us. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, we are back and healthy for an episode of Medical Dads. <laughs> Physically healthy. <laughs> Mentally, we are well also. <laughs> We're at our baseline, let's say. We're at our baseline. Yes. But how many kids do you have with you today? How many kids are home? Zero. Zero. Nice. Zero. That's why we're all healthy today. <laughs> Actually, that's not true. My son has been having a bit of a, a nasal congested nose for the last couple of days. Okay. Right? And the funny thing about it is I didn't really notice it. Right. So he's kind of going around. And my wife's like, I think he's sick. And my my daughter's like, he's definitely sick. I'm like, why? And she's like, because he sounds like this. Oh, like what's going on? And I'm like, really? I, I didn't hear it. Right. So then I had to like lean in close and then have him say something for me to hear it. Yeah. And the, but the funny thing is that when my daughter's nose gets plugged, I hear it right away. And it's because my daughter's always talking. She can't stop talking. But my son is always reading something or tucked away, you know, eating a snack he doesn't communicate with me that much verbally so he can like he can slide by with a runny nose for several hours before i pick up on it and so on the basis of his voice sounding slightly different is your wife suggesting that okay he needs to stay home no absolutely not although she attempted to check his temperature by slapping her hand on his forehead <laughs> and said oh he feels warm i'm like he's sitting there reading he looks perfectly fine i didn't even hear the nasal congestion he is definitely not warm like i don't even need to touch his forehead i'm telling you he's not warm i mean i guess warm is a relative term <laughs> it's like oh what a relief he's still warm <laughs> You know, you know, like this warm and cold thing. Mm. I get this all the time. Like I get it at work. Like patients are like, my hands are cold. My hands are f always colder than the other person's. Right. Yeah. I, I get this from my mom. She's always telling me about how my dad's hands are cold or hot. Like just this week, there was this huge explanation she had because she's been complaining that he has cold hands and feet for 10 years. <laughs> right. Okay. And recently she saw a YouTube video that some Chinese guy posted that there are certain pressure points on the side of your foot that if you massage, all these areas warm up. So she calls you, she's very happy, right? Okay. <laughs> that uh, I've, got, I've figured out a way to warm up his hands and his feet. And I'm just listening to this like, <laughs> oh man, like how much <laughs> do I have to listen to? <laughs> uh, and so did she try it? Is it working? Yeah, 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 of course. Oh, These okay. YouTube videos, she has to try them. They have to work before they get reported back to me. Oh, okay. All right. But but the, but lo and behold, they always work yeah. for six months. And then six <laughs> months from now, we're going to be having the same conversation about how cold in his hands and feet are, right? <laughs> Now, what did you have any stories you wanted to share about what's going on in your house these days? Well, you know, we are just at the very, very beginnings of uh, wrapping up towards the Christmas season. Oh, oh my. Yes. Yeah. Black Friday is coming for us. 
<laughs> might be too early for people to think about Christmas uh, if they're listening to this the day we record it. But by the time we post it, people might sort of be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Christmas, that was fun. We missed it. <laughs> <laughs> we will get episodes out on a more timely basis. All right, that's just my little public service announcement. Continue with your story. <laughs> well, this morning, actually, my wife is saying, okay, yeah, w- one of my kids has a Christmas list that she wants to show us. And the kid herself has been talking about all the things she can do around the house for money because for the Christmas list she has, she needs money to buy presents for everybody, which is mm. kind of sweet to hear. Unless that's some kind of cover for really, like, she's trying to buy something for herself. But <laughs> if I take her out a word, that's really sweet. Uh, so she doesn't want to flat out show me the Christmas list because I guess she doesn't want me to know what all the presents are. But uh, my wife is saying, well, she did let me take a picture of the, of the first draft of it. Uh, can I show that to daddy? She says, okay, yes. I take a look at the list. It only has one person listed on it or one being listed on it and one gift to give. It says, okay. bug that's in my room. Gift, death. <laughs> she needs money for that? You're going to hire an exterminator for one bug? Uh, she didn't elaborate on how she's going to kill it, I guess. It's going to be from, <laughs> from a very elaborate golden fly swatter. Is this the same kid that's reading uh, Demon Slayer? Is that the comic that's going around? No, no, that, that was my son. That was my <laughs> okay. son. This is my eight-year-old whose uh, okay. Christmas wish for a bug in her room is, is death. <laughs> my daughter actually has been going around with the same thing. She tried to cobble together a whole bunch of money, wouldn't tell me what it's for, like insisted that I get out the screwdriver to try to open her piggy bank where the bottom was wedged in and too tight. Um, but then... F- over time, the secret starts to come out that I think she's trying to get Christmas gifts for everyone from Dollarama. And I'm back in my uh, mind, I'm like, that is a sweet idea, except I hate Dollarama. What could she possibly get for all these people that we need that isn't going to be clutter from Dollarama? Oh, I don't, I don't, an, an expired chocolate bar? <laughs> oh, batteries that aren't made out of alkaline. Like <laughs> I got some carbon-based batteries from there once. They look like regular batteries, yeah. but they only last like one-tenth of the time. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a practical gift. Some tissue paper, some uh, some colorful <laughs> tissue paper. They have some art supplies. I, let's not knock Dollarama. It's a useful store, but it's not inspiring <laughs> when you hear about Christmas lists getting constructed there. You know what I mean? So did you did you warn her like, oh, uh, honey, you're, you're gonna need to fill that piggy bank a little more. I'm not satisfied with with Dollarama no, that, ties and no, sacks. I, that's what I'm looking for. I then recalled that we're going through a period of inflation and interest rates are insane and the economy is spiraling towards death and i realized dollarama is where we should be shopping my daughter's actually way ahead of her her time on this one you're actually worried that you're going to run into your daughter at the store while she's buying a gift <laughs> and you're buying groceries oh perhaps perhaps this is an actual thing that they were saying on the news that the shares in dollarama have become much more valuable because mm. people have actually started to turn a Dollarama for groceries because of inflation. Oh, it, it, I actually, this morning we were thinking about what should we talk about on this podcast? And the topic I had in mind was we could talk about inflation and the economy, but that didn't seem as interesting as the topic you came up with. So let's move on and talk about <laughs> sick leave. That's it. While I was trying to think, what could we talk about for this next podcast? I'm remembering that, well, yesterday I had two kids home on the couch sick from school. <laughs> that gives me an idea of something I want to talk about. <laughs> two kids at home. Now, this is the thing that's starting to creep up again. I guess it started last year, and this is the second year. Like After the pandemic, there was a period where nobody was ever sick because nobody <laughs> was going to work at all. right? So that was great. Um, productivity was 
I don't know if it was at an all-time high, but certainly we weren't writing sick notes for people. Or if we were, they were these bizarre sick notes where people were like, I need to work from home or I am not able... I am not even able to work from home, right? I have some sort of injury that precludes me sitting at the computer. But since last fall and now this winter, people are back in school in person, kids are back in school, adults are back at work, and we're starting to see all the regular runny noses, sore throats, fever, diarrhea, all that stuff is coming back. And this year again, it's flu season again. We're in the thick of it right now. And all the regular problems are coming, except all of us have lived through COVID. Right. So all of these things are slightly different than they used to be. So we thought we would dive into that today. Yeah, that's a good place to start. Do you actually think we are back to the way things were pre-COVID when it comes to trying to decide what to do when your kids are feeling sick or when you're feeling sick for school or work? I feel like pretty much we are right. Last year, there was this whole thing. Last year, kids went back to school. But there was this whole idea that, you know, if your kid has a runny nose or if they're or, or they have a little bit of a cold in the old days, you just pack them back to school. Right. Like I remember many days, many a day showing up at school with my nose red, yeah. like Rudolph the red nosed reindeer and other kids in the class being like, wow, you actually look like the cartoon characters that are sick because your nose is redder than the rest of your face. Right. Yeah. Because I just couldn't resist like blowing my nose when I was a kid. Yeah. But last year. Anytime your kid was sick with something blatantly obvious like that, the parent had to be guilted into keeping the kid at home. Like you couldn't be that parent last year uh-huh. that drew the ire of everyone else by bringing a, 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 a small cold, a common cold into the classroom. Even though by last year, a lot of the schools had re- started relaxing the actual restrictions about who could come in and who couldn't. This year, those restrictions aren't there and parents I think have just had enough. Right. So it's like, if you've got a runny nose, that's okay. It's back to 2005. We can go back to school. Everything's back to normal. I feel. Okay. I, I interested to hear that perspective. I don't know if I quite felt that things were quite back to that, that level of you can get away with sending them to school a little bit sick uh, or that they could be a little bit sick and it would be, It'd be fine at school. I feel like it's it's true. It's not a hundred percent back to normal because I think in the old days, if your kid was having a fever, a lot of parents would just shove some Tylenol, Advil, and then they'd go to school with that. I think now we've kind of said, okay, you're actively having a fever and taking Tylenol today. Don't send them then. I I don't feel that there's too many kids that are at that level of sickness that are going back. But I think the mild scratchy throat is pretty much back in business. Don't you think so? Yeah, yeah I would assume parents are still sending their kids to school like that. You know, there's this whole aspect of uh, the daycare preschool that we don't usually talk about that much these days since our kids are out of that phase. But if you think back to those days, uh, even before the pandemic, there was this whole thing of my kid got sick at daycare. I got to blame somebody. It's got to be somebody's fault. It's got to be the fault of that parent who sent their kid to daycare slightly sick. And everybody's blaming everybody else who sends their kid to daycare slightly sick. Although the parents themselves, after they've missed, you know, a week of work, you know, over the course of two months, uh, they are now saying, well, I can't miss any more work to stay home with my sick kid. So I'm loading them up with Advil, setting up a daycare and seeing how much work I can get done in it before they call me. Well, that only happens like in the first two weeks of daycare, because by week three, you realize you're just stuck with this boogery kid for the rest of the winter. And there's you either go to daycare with boogers or you just you get a you get a refund on your tuition because you're never going to go to school if your threshold is that they can't be sick at all. Right. I remember actually this is actually exactly how it happened. I, I, I matched into family medicine 
right after medical school first week of family medicine we have grand rounds and i had been used to going to medical school where all the rounds are like these like medical topics right so today's topic is going to be about you know acute glomerulonephritis yeah. right and then they'll give you a talk about what the treatment and prognosis and blah blah and everything was really medical occasionally you'd have some soft social psychosocial topic or something but it was all medical yeah. right I get into my residency, family medicine residency. First day, they brought up like a, I can't remember who gave it. I think it was a public health person. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about preschool and what is the criteria for children to return to preschool after an illness? I'm like, is this an actual thing? Like there's an actual talk about, you know, when should parents be sending their kids back to school and that you as a family doctor should be giving some advice to parents about when is appropriate for kids to not go to school and when is it appropriate for them to go back i was like wow that's actually very practical i never had thought about it i mean like i'm in my 20s i've done i don't have kids i don't know anything about parenting yeah. right this is a legitimate thing that parents think about all the time right and your kid comes down with something there's when can they go back i think maybe we should start there when is a kid actually in our opinion okay to go back to school after an illness well when you're uh, 24 hours of improvement and not having fever, then mm. unless you're having diarrhea uh, or still feeling too unwell to actually hack it at school, then you should be good to go back, generally speaking. That's very vague. Having improvement for 24 hours. Improvement just means I'm slightly better than yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not having so a I could still be having boogers. Yesterday. I could still be having boogers, just slightly less boogers than yesterday. That's that means I'm allowed to go back to school. Now this is this is the old criteria, right? This is the pre-COVID criteria with stuff like this. Is this still the current criteria that the medical dads are offering to parents? Well, I mean, from a COVID point of view, this is actually I think the, even the government's uh, standard and the uh, like the uh, uh, provincial health standard is mm. that uh, if you're feeling sick, you don't test yourself for COVID, but uh, if you're having respiratory type symptoms, then you need to be free of fever for 24 hours and 24 hours improved without, uh, or it's 48 hours if you're having GI symptoms. Mm. But okay. uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't say specifically resolved, I think. Right, because resolved, especially with COVID, could be months down the line, right, with this whole long COVID business. Right. Yeah. Many patients are out there. I don't know. They've hoarded a ton of test kits from the last year. So I frequently have patients telling me I, I've been testing repeatedly. I'm still testing positive or I've already tested negative, but I feel lousy. Right. Like, like, can we just give a message about the test kit? What is the deal with the test kits? Should people just throw these things away? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't I don't use them. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't really care that much. Uh, I, I mean, you can have it so that if you're getting like particularly sick and you're wondering why, then maybe you can you can right. check and see. But the kits aren't reliable to start with. So you test right. it and it says you don't have COVID. Then if it says you have it, you probably do have it, though. So they're yeah. reliable that way. Yeah. Although they're right. very easy to manipulate the test to make it look like you have it. This is the other problem you run into if, if we're, you know, making our decisions based off the test, not based off the clinical appearance. Manipulating the, the test. I have not heard that. How do you how do you manipulate COVID? Oh, well, there's a variety of household beverages you could pour on a COVID test that will make it show up as positive. <laughs> you could, if you know, if you were being um, shipped off to some kind of war or something like that, but they weren't going to put you on the plane, if you were testing positive for COVID and you were trying to get out of that, you know, you fill your <laughs> mouth with Coca-Cola and have that in there when they put the swab in uh, and you'll, uh, you, you get a, a positive. False wow, positive. You buy yourself a few more days of freedom. Yeah. 
Yeah, there was an article that was published on it, actually, in a journal. When I read the article, I'm like, great, now you've just told everybody how to cheat the test. <laughs> well, the, that's funny because our school actually had a thing, not now, but I think I think last year that they still had it, where you had to do the COVID test, take a photo of it, and then send the photo to the school, right, to verify that you're okay to return after having COVID. Yeah. So that's interesting that there's actually a way to game that. I guess we should really get away from using these kits. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when people are testing for COVID, the question is, what, what, uh, what are you going to do with that information? How is that going to change something? Uh, before, I think the concern was, well, if you test positive for COVID, then even if you look well, you're going to be passing on COVID. It's going to be this big disaster. But uh, yeah. it's, we've moved away, I think, from that since COVID itself has evolved. The virus has, has mutated to be not the same type of COVID we were dealing with at the beginning of this. So now right. if you're, it's not that you couldn't still spread it if you're not symptomatic, but we're not worried about the devastation of the virus spreading amongst asymptomatic people the way we were when okay. this virus was killing people en masse. Okay, so, all right. So let's talk a little bit about people being sick. Now in the olden days, when our kids got sick, if they weren't super sick, we would just send them to school, right? Um, mild stuff. Just the just the sore throat, like the like the illness is confined into your throat, right? Or a bit of a runny nose. Those seem to be okay to not send the kid to school, right? Fever was always the thing that's like, okay, if you're actually burning up yeah. and you're needing to take fever medicine, that starts to become where we have to like put the stop sign up and you're not going out the door that day. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the gamble that parents are always taking when they send the kid to school is that if the kid gets worse or is deteriorating at school, then you're going to get a phone call from the school and you're going to have to pick your kid up again. Um, mm -hmm. And actually, sometimes you keep them home for a day and they, they're okay by the next day. Whereas you get that call from the school, well, now you know that, all, that half your day at least has been ruined because you had to go pick them up. And the school doesn't want them back the next day if you had to pick them up the, right. on the first day. So there's that right. uh, gamble of uh, do I try to shoot for getting like, a free day here or do I take the risk that I'm going to have two days that I have to provide child care for the child? I distinctly remember a day when my daughter was in junior kindergarten where she came home and reported to us that one of the boys in her class had vomited in the middle of the day, right? So the mom had come and taken the kid home. Yeah. The next day, we were talking about something and my daughter's like, yeah, he came back today. And then during nap time, he vomited again. Yeah. <laughs> right? You see, that's, that's the first vomit. The, the mom gets a pass, right? You didn't know that that was going to happen. Maybe he woke up feeling well, and then the kid vomits halfway through the day. Yeah. When they come back the second day and vomit again during nap time, now that is, that is shame on you, I have to say, <laughs> right? Especially because later that night, my daughter started vomiting. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a little bit too much. And that's exactly what we're talking about in terms of, as parents, other parents are watching your actions all the time, <laughs> which is not a bad thing because we got to hold each other accountable That's sometimes. Right. <laughs> I mean, the other aspect of this is don't take a chance on GI symptoms, right? It's one thing <laughs> if your child uh, is really congested. They're really, really congested. Well, if they can talk and eat their breakfast, uh, then what's the worst that's going to happen at school? Maybe, maybe they'll develop a fever, but if they didn't have a fever when you sent them, you know, that's not so embarrassing for the child yeah. to get a fever at school. But your child vomits at school or worse, has diarrhea at school. That's <laughs> a hard one to live down. Right? No kid wants to go through that. And no parent really wants their kid to have to go through that. Yeah. 
Now, now there is one scenario even worse than this that I've seen, and th- this is pre-COVID. My kids, were, I think we told this story maybe, but my kids were taking public swimming lessons, and the dude next to my daughter in the pool decides to have diarrhea in the water. Oh, right? I don't remember that story. <laughs> have we talked about this story? You talked. You yeah, have my, a, my, you have a number of hilarious stories about this old guy in the pool, but I didn't hear the time that he pooped <laughs> in it. No, no, this wasn't an old guy. This is like a young kid. Oh, okay. like my daughter must have been like four or something, and they're doing like you know, public swimming lessons. And my wife was watching the lessons and suddenly, actually, oh, this this story is so old. I don't remember the exact <laughs> details, but I believe my wife somehow was near enough to the pool and saw this incident happen, right? And then my daughter saw a turd float up to the top of the pool. Oh, oh. this is and not then, diarrhea. This guy's having And then they pulled, her out, they pulled her out of the pool. And next thing you know, the whole pool had to be evacuated. And it was just completely unbelievable, <laughs> right? So... So don't send your kids to school with diarrhea, but definitely don't send them swimming. That just seems like a horrible amount of suffering for everybody. Oh, that reminds me of a time when I was in uh, the Dominican Republic at one of these like all-inclusive resort type <laughs> things when I had younger kids. And the pool that they, they have at the hotel is this huge, long pool. So on one end of it is a shallow end where kids can be swimming and playing. But it's the same body of water that goes all the way up to the area where there's a, a bar. A that sanitation device. <laughs> So, you know, usually when I'm at these places that have these swim-up bars, I'm already kind of leery of the, the, the adults who seem to be at that bar for 8, 12 hours at a time without ever leaving. I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> all the drinks that are going in, where are they, where are they, where are they going next? Okay. But I never really never worried about, about this. <laughs> I never worried about this until I saw it. Some, like, little kid must have been, I don't know, maybe three. He's swimming in the pool. And then suddenly just unloads this like huge brown cloud of diarrhea in the water. Um, <laughs> and I'm quickly saying, kids, quick, out of the water, out of the water. And then this kid's parents kind of see what's going on. And they just zip down, scoop him up and disappear. No sort of thing of flagging to anybody that, oh, hey, look, uh, my kid pooped. Uh, just disappear. And I'm looking down this, just this body of water, seeing all those other people in the pool that are just swimming in there. And I'm trying to sound the alarm at people. <laughs> Everybody out of the pool. Brown cloud, brown cloud yeah. alert. But if if I hadn't been there um, and seen it happen, and I'd just been at the other end of the pool, there would have been no warning. You would have just been swimming around in this without. I mean, I I, I don't know what the limits of the chlorine's capabilities are. Well, that's what I was going to say. Chlorine is to some degree bactericidal, right? It kills some of the bacteria. So. You might not actually get sick from coming into contact with bacteria, but it's just kind of gross to be thinking that you might be swinging, swimming alongside actual pieces of fecal matter. Yeah, I, I feel like the typically chlorinated <laughs> pool is not meant to accommodate a full-on, a full-on load like that. I, I, you know, it's meant to handle those people who are supposed to shower before they get in the water, but don't shower before they get in the water. But I feel the amount of chlorine it would take for me to be comfortable swimming with this child's diarrhea cloud. Uh, would doesn't exist. Yeah, that, I mean, my skin would be burning, my eyes would be peeling. Like it would. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, so here's here's the thing. Like we've talked a little bit about kids being sick and when should we send them back. So, so we have an easy answer for parents, right? If your kids are having a fever or GI symptoms, stay home. If they've been getting better for a day you can go back to school. That's the bottom line, right? We keep it really simple. Yeah, I think if we're keeping it simple, if you're 24 hours improved with no fever uh, or 48 hours since your last episode of diarrhea and not having a diarrhea, then Mm. you should be legit to go back to school. Okay. 
Now, let's talk about a slightly different aspect of sickness and sick leave, which is my pet peeve topic, and that is sick notes. Okay. We somehow live in a society where we've decided that you can't just be sick, right? You can't just tell your school or your employer or anyone that seems to care that you're sick. No one believes you. You need to produce a doctor's note, right? Why does that... Why is that a thing? Why does Why the doctor that that's have to thing. be that's, involved in this process? That's the employee's fault that that's a thing <laughs> because <laughs> there's so many people who abuse the system, right? There's so many people who are taking sick days that they're not actually sick for uh, that we've come to this thing where, we, where nobody gets trusted. You know, it's, it's a small percentage of people, truly, but that small percentage of people is what's wrecking it for the rest of us. Now, as a doctor, I have no real way to prevent myself from having to deal with this nonsense, yeah. right? Like, I can't say, if you are asking for a signal, I'm just not going to write them, right? right? So the only thing as a family doctor that I can say to people is like, if you want a sick note, I'm charging you 15 bucks for it, all right? Yeah. There's a fee, right? That's the only barrier I can put up. And I don't even like asking for the fee, right? right? Because actually, a lot of the people really are sick, yeah. right? There's people like dying of cancer. I don't charge them 15 bucks to write a note. I just feel icky about it, yeah. right? But at the same time, these people are abusing the system. So I feel like the only thing I can do is to charge. Like actually, a lot of times I don't even bother charging because the whole thing just seems kind of silly yeah. at some level. Yeah. But but yeah, like I, you work in the emergency room with kids. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're getting asked to write sick notes sometimes because they're like, oh, we're, we're, we're sick. We can't go to school tomorrow. Can you produce a note? Is that part of an emergency room doctor's job also? I, I have no problem if I see a patient who's sick uh, to write a note to say, this person was in the emergency department today. Uh, I don't mm. give people's medical details to their employer. That's uh, right. The employer doesn't have any right actually to that to access. Right. To that. I don't either. Yeah. Right. But I'll, I'll just say, say they were. I'll yeah. say this person was in the emergency department. It was necessary for them to miss school today uh, or uh, they will need to be out of uh, sports for this amount of time. What I don't mm. like is people who come to the emergency department, not for any actual medical help, but just for that note. If you did not actually need to be in the rich part, but you came just for that note, it's, that's It's shocking to me, given the wait times in the emergency room, that people would actually entertain doing this, right? Let's just spend the whole evening so I can get a sick note. That seems very silly. Uh, you'd, you'd be surprised. But yeah, there are. I done, to be fair, this is not most of the people who I write a note for, uh, but there are people who do that. And often it's the person who, they're not, I'm not sick really now. It's just that I missed a test and I missed a couple of things last week. Uh, so I need you to write a note that retroactively says that I was sick then. And I don't generally write those notes. I write, this mm. person was seen in the emergency department today. I didn't see you last <laughs> week, so I can't, I can't verify any more than anyone else that you were sick last, last week. Now, I, now I, get, I get an extension of this, which is like a person is really sick and they were sick last week, but they couldn't come in to get an appointment with me because the... You know, there's there's just not enough appointments to go around. There's a huge doctor shortage in, in Ontario, right? So now they come in, and I actually I think they probably were sick. These people aren't really making up, but they actually need a note for last week. Yeah. So now I'm kind of stuck. Like originally when I went through my training, I was taught never write a note for someone to, after the fact. But I'm like, these people are actually sick last week. Like they're not lying. I know they have this major chronic illness. It flares up from time to time. Yeah. And they just need a note. Am I, is it allowed for me to write that out or not? If you were teaching your residents, what should they do in that situation? <laughs> that my resident, the scenario is I have a practice that's so busy that I can't see the patients when they're actually sick. Is it okay to write <laughs> notes for them afterwards? 
<laughs> yeah, precisely. Or sometimes they're so sick they can't even get out of bed for those few days, right? Like, yeah. and then now they're better. And now they need the note because the school insists, right? Like these things actually happen. These are real world scenarios. This all just goes back to the ridiculousness of asking for the note in the first place. That the, that the employer wanting these notes, uh, it's for no medical purpose. Uh, and our job is to do things to actually like, like help people when they're unwell uh, and to prevent yeah. people from getting well. Uh, these notes don't do that at all, right? <laughs> uh, well, what about, they actually make things worse, Right. Yeah. Like, let's say during COVID. Right. Or you're not even COVID. Let's say you have an active fever. You're burning up. The recommendation is for you to isolate and stay at home. Instead, these guys are trudging into the office yeah. because their university needs them to produce a sick note that has to be written and signed on the day of the actual illness. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. Yeah, I know. That's that's ridiculous. And but I've been to some of these courses where they teach you a little bit about how to manage employees um, or how to lead teams. And they talk about how to deal with the person that's calling sick in time. Sick. Call, how do you deal with the person who's calling sick all the time? Um, right. And actually, the rationale behind getting people to get notes has nothing to do with, uh, well, I, I need to know what medical accommodations they need so as an employer I can help them. It's purely about uh, if people are calling in sick because it's so easy to do and it's an easy out from getting out of work, you're creating an extra barrier of work for them. Um, which uh, if you say have a hundred people who are habitually calling in sick all the time, if you tell them they have to get a note, that's not going to stop all of them from calling sick all the time. But that extra layer of work involved is going to stop like, you know, a portion, Some. maybe say 60% of them, uh, especially if you're doing it repeatedly, right? Because if you have to go and get a note repeatedly every time, then that starts to become like a challenge for people. Mm. Yeah. So we, so inadvertently as doctors, we are now part of this massive social experiment where we're trying to keep people at work and employed. I mean, inadvertently makes it seem as if we had some role or process and we had nothing to do with this. We never asked to be <laughs> writing these sick notes. It's the employer just deciding that, well, all right, I'm going to make you go to your doctor and ask for a note. That'll probably make it, you think twice before you call in sick. It's, it bothers me. There's sometimes, I feel like a lot of times things get created and suddenly it becomes part of the doctor's job, yeah. right? When really it shouldn't, right? Like, and your job description starts to change and you start taking on all these roles that you didn't really want to deal with before, yeah. right? So sick notes is one. The other, the other one that jumps to mind is euthanasia, right? Like we're doctors. Suddenly they say, okay, doctors, you are in charge of euthanasia, right? So when, how did that become a thing, right? And then, oh, marijuana is legalized. Doctors, you're in charge of marijuana now, right? Like, I don't really understand why we keep getting tacked with all these silly roles that weren't part of our original job description. There's a sort of thing of saying like, oh, well, you know, if a doctor said it was uh, said it was OK. So you see sometimes <laughs> people will show up with sick notes that are preposterous, that's, uh, that you actually have to say, no, that's just because your doctor wrote that. That's not good enough. You know, somebody <laughs> comes with a sick note oh, that says, you know, I've oh, you've seen some of these, right? Oh, so many. I don't even want to go into it, but. <laughs> Let, let me put it this way, like this used to happen more when I worked in more of like a walking clinic setting where you would meet people just a couple times like they'd come in for an illness. And I, a few times, like I'll say maybe a dozen times in those early years I was working, a young person, someone maybe in their 20s, late teens, 20s would come in and initially they don't tell you that they're here for a sick note, right? They actually are telling, they're, they're trying to lay it on thick right from the get go, right? Yeah. They're, they're having chest pain like it the shortness of breath all these cue words that to you as a as a trained physician yeah. 
you are looking out for these keywords because these could be this could be the the diamond in the rough that you're finding, right? This could be the heart attack, sudden death syndrome. <laughs> That's a diamond. That, <laughs> this is the yeah, precious could, gem in Dave's career is we could have a heart attack. This this could be the this could be the hypertrophic cardiomyopathy that passes out on the basketball court tomorrow <laughs> yeah. if you don't do something about it, right? So you get these patients coming with these crazy symptoms, yeah. right? You you're worried that they're gonna die. But then as you explore the history of the illness, something doesn't add up. You're like, there's no illness that makes you have like chest pain and flatus at the same time. Like that, that just isn't a, like it, I'm, I'm making a light of it, but they would present these slightly odd clinical things. Right. Yeah. And then you'd be like, I don't remember anything in medicine that kind of fits this odd picture. Yeah. And then, so then you, you're going, you're going way down the rabbit hole. You're 25 minutes into the interview and there's more patients waiting to be seen. And you're like, okay, this is a really complicated thing, but I really don't want anything bad to happen to this patient. So I'm going to order a whole slew of tests, a yeah. lot of blood work. And we're going to see you next week. And we'll see you the week after. We really want to get this thing under control. We want to stay ahead of this story. Yeah. And then at the end, they're like, oh, by the way, I need a sick note. Right. And then suddenly the, the veil gets lifted over my eyes. And I just realized that was all nonsense. Yeah. They just want to know there's, there's no cardiomyopathy here. Yeah. There's, there's no sudden death that's about to happen. Yeah. I just wasted 30 minutes of my time on nothing. Right. Yeah. So that used to drive me crazy, right? Like it would be like, there'd be this reveal moment. You know, at the end of Scooby-Doo, when you suddenly find out <laughs> that the bad guy was actually the character you met at the beginning, wearing like a bag over their That's head, right. that happened to me all the time. Right, man. <laughs> well, so there's that, I guess, end of things where the patient's giving you all the symptoms to try to get you to write a certain kind of note. But then mm -hmm. there are physicians who will write notes saying this person needs this very specific accommodation that you have to that you have to give them you know this patient specifically needs to have uh, have have friday afternoons off um and <laughs> needs to be able to work from home on a tuesday and a thursday it's like that's not a, a combination you have to explain what is it that we need to provide for this person not specifically how <laughs> we're going to provide it right right so it's like why, why do they need to work from home well because uh you know they uh they want a quiet work environment it's like okay then write that this person needs a quiet work environment. And then if we can't provide that in the office, then we can decide if we need to do that as a, as a work from home thing. But you can't like, dictate the terms of exactly how that accommodation has to play out. But uh, people will come in with these like preposterous notes and it, it all just comes from this thing of uh, this assumption that, well, if the doctor says it, then I need it. When the patient could be just showing up at the doctor's office and saying, well, here's my list of things I want. Uh, write a note that says that. It's just a, it's right. a mockery of the whole system. Exactly. So today, you and I are going to solve this problem for everybody, okay? We're going to solve the problem for everybody, save the healthcare system millions of dollars in the long run, yeah. right? We're going to save doctors hours of their time and return it to them. And we're going to save these stupid students their time of having to concoct these bizarre stories, okay? Students, I'm going to give you... So I thought you were talking about like uh, adults going to, uh, going to work, but you're, you're talking about students getting out of exams. Students or adults, okay? Yeah. We're going to tell people what are the things, if you just want to get out of going to school or get out of going to work, then do it in a way that saves the healthcare system money and, and keeps your doctor happy and you happy. These are the illnesses that, you're gonna, that are your go-to illnesses, right? And they're irrefutable, can't be proven, right, in a court of law. We just got to go on your word for it. These are the illnesses, okay? It's not chest pain, okay? Don't mention <laughs> chest pain, right? This is, this is the thing. If you want a short-term illness... Right. That allows you to be sick for a bit, but then you're back to normal the next day. Yeah. There are illnesses like that in the world. OK. Yeah. Number one candidate 
if you didn't know about it by now, you're going to know it now. It's migraine headache, right? You had a really bad <laughs> headache. You couldn't get out of bed, but tomorrow you're fine. Yeah. Migraines are a real illness. You can't see a migraine on a CT scan. You can't see a migraine on an MRI, right? And tomorrow you look great. Just ask Scottie Pippen. He was sick with a migraine in game seven of the 1990 NBA, uh, 1989-89 Eastern Conference Finals. Just happened to occur when the vaunted Detroit Pistons were coming to play the seventh game and then he bailed on the team yeah. with a migraine, but he was fine afterwards and Michael Jordan was really pissed at him, right? Yeah. So what? It's a migraine headache. That's a common enough thing, easy out, right? Doctor doesn't have to do anything to prove it. You just listen to the story, maybe do a quick neurological exam, collect the $15 for the signal, we all move on. So your suggestion in this context that is that uh, People trying to get out of work should just come to the doctor and say that they had a migraine and they are going to write. Yeah. If you had a short term illness, like you were off for a day because you were too busy watching movies or something, the easiest thing to say is I had a migraine headache and that's it. Don't tell me you had chest pain. Right. Don't tell. If you're ever thinking about these elaborate stories, (laughs) migraine is one. And the other one we just talked about gastrointestinal diarrhea. Everyone knows the diarrhea. I'm not going to ask you to show me the diarrhea. All right. Don't pull your pants down. Right. There's no, don't bring the sample of the stool to the office. You said you had diarrhea. We take you at your word for it. You're better the next day. Everyone's had diarrhea before and then we're better the next day. That's fine too. Those two. Okay. Nothing else. I would say, I I don't want notes for those. I don't want people coming to me for notes for that kind of thing. I think employers (laughs) uh, should not require notes for those things. I I think for most places, they shouldn't. If you call, they shouldn't require notes. For any of these things, yeah. but they do. So if you're going to have to produce this ridiculous note, this these are the two easiest things to do. <laughs> I mean, if you call the employer and say, I'm having diarrhea today, uh, chances are they're not going to make you get a note. If you call and say, look, I'm having diarrhea today, uh, but I can't uh, like get to my off- doctor's office because the diarrhea is pretty bad. Uh, do, I, do, I, do I still need a note? Your employer will probably say, no, that's fine. Oh, your employer might, but your school on the day of the exam has a, and you miss an exam because of diarrhea, you will have to produce a note, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know what the rules are for universities and some of these big exams, because when I was in university, a doctor's note wasn't good enough. You couldn't just get a doctor's note. You had to get it from the specific <laughs> campus doctor. You had to prove it was, uh, well, you had to go and get well, verified. There you go. You go into that campus doctor's office, you tell them you had a bad migraine headache yesterday, and I challenged that campus doctor to dis prove that that was what happened yeah. i don't think they would be able to no no the campus doctor will do it it's just that you, th- this is no longer a problem <laughs> of you going to the they're not coming to dave's office for this uh, you're, you're not going to your doctor for this you have to go uh, to this I, I i only wish that were the true i i can see that form from the university of toronto sitting on my desk already <laughs> with the nice university of toronto letterhead i've had to fill it out so <laughs> many times maybe not so many in recent years actually but more in the past well i would say if you see me in the emergency department uh, telling me about how I'm fine now, but I had a migraine a week ago. I need a doctor's note. I will write a note that says, I saw this patient on today's date, and they tell me that uh, mm-hmm. they had symptoms on that date. And that's all. Which, that, that's which, is, which is a valid thing to say, right? But I'm just saying, this. I'm not advocating people come and lie about their illnesses, but if you were going to lie about your illness <laughs> and you were going to say that you had chest pain, just change it to diarrhea <laughs> and we're right. all a little bit happier. Now, yeah. that's for short-term illnesses. <laughs> what about long-term illnesses? Because these are the sick notes that are the bane of my existence as a doctor because these aren't simple notes. These are like 
packages of paper that get slapped in my direction that I got to fill out something to explain why someone is sick for months or they need longer term leave or longer term accommodations. Yeah. How, how do we deal with those? Th- those seem like those seem like a more appropriate use of uh, doctor's time, I suppose, because mm. now you are yeah. talking about, you know, you need the expertise of the doctor to help determine what this person should and shouldn't do going forward to protect their health or to manage mm-hmm. their, their condition as opposed to writing about something that's already passed. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. It's still kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. A lot of times these forms are being, are asking us to do something that we aren't really trained to do, which is predict the future. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause in fact, most of the time when these people require some sort of, you know, modification at work or light duties or a light schedule. Really, the person needs to try some of these things so we can see what they're able to handle, what they're not able to handle. Yeah. Right. So it is a little silly for us to come up with these elaborate return to work plans when, in fact, a reliable employee should be able to sit down with their employer who trusts them and work that out themselves. Right. Rather than have this third party sitting at a desk dictating what they need from a medical standpoint. Well, I think it's helpful to have the physician write, you know, if a person needs specific accommodations to say, mm-hmm. you know, like this person's condition means that they, they can do activities that, that require sitting and answering phones, can't do things that involve uh, like lifting uh, heavy objects, stuff like that. Um, that can be helpful if the patient themselves isn't really able to like figure out what accommodations they need. Right. Now, I had in my mind that I was going to give people one for this also that I there is a category of something that I that you could give that is pretty irrefutable and would really drag you into the rabbit hole and allow you to not have to ever work again. Probably if you really want to spin such an elaborate web of deceit, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm going to keep that secret to myself. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna have to work harder to get that answer. You might have to, you might have to donate to our to our uh, to our website to get the special episode where we reveal that secret. This is this is the one illness that you can describe that will be a, a skeleton key, golden ticket, free pass to yep. any getting out of work in any situation. Long term illness, and and it's only available to our loyal Patreon listeners. <laughs> Even I don't know what this is. is this, would this be something that applies to kids, or is this really only going to be an adult thing? It could probably apply to anybody. And in this current day and age, in 2023, people will not be able to refute this. Right? We live in a society that enables this type of thing to go on, but that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you can leave people guessing at what that illness is. Interesting. Interesting. Do you have it? <laughs> I, I don't have it, but I could. I could have it anytime. I need it. <laughs> All right. Well, so yes, tune into the special paid broadcast to find out the <laughs> mysterious chronic illness that'll get you out of any situation. Hint, hint. I, it's I, impotence. <laughs> <laughs> impotence only gets you out of good situations. I don't even know. Good <laughs> <laughs> situations. I don't know. I don't know if we, like, I don't know if we should be advocating for people to proclaim their impotence out loud. <laughs> Uh, I was going to go to Disney World, but uh, I got out of it because I had erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Wait a minute. How does now, that work? <laughs> this this issue, actually, we've been talking about it solely from the context of school and employer. But there is another group that cares a lot about why you're sick. And that is these bloody insurance companies right? right? and the airlines. Right? You buy an airplane ticket and suddenly you get sick 
and you can't go and you want your money back, right? And, and we live in a day and age where companies do give you your money back if you bought some sort of special insurance or all this stuff, right? Yeah. And that's also another wacky one, right? I get all these note requests saying like, we need to prove that we were actually sick so we can't go on this trip. That's, that's another one of these categories. Yeah. That again comes back to this thing of because people pretend to be sick when they're not sometimes to get out of things, uh, it's led to this, this ridiculous overreaction thing of now you have to have notes to prove every kind of illness. But you can mm. appreciate how if somebody didn't buy travel insurance or maybe did buy travel insurance that only covers it for when they're ill um, and then they decide to cancel the trip for some other reason, it'd be very tempting to say, well, like I could just say that I was sick. <laughs> yeah, I guess we live in a world that's kind of like that. I, it's it's kind of a sad reflection of our society. You know, there are many things that I feel like have been advancements in the world, right? Compared to Neanderthal times, <laughs> like we live more comfortably, we have TV, there's ice cream, yeah. we have internet. Yeah. But Neanderthals had it made when it came to sick notes. They weren't asking anyone to prove an illness, right? With a sick note, right? <laughs> like you are sick, then the tribe moves on, right? You get better, you rejoin the tribe. Like there's no having to prove this or that. So in some ways we've gotten a lot farther as a society in other ways, kind of wish we were back in caveman days. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like even Fred Flintstone had to carve out a doctor's note on a slab to get out of his day at work at the <laughs> rock quarry. Yeah. But Fred Flintstone was not a real Neanderthal. <laughs> that show is just taking contemporary stuff, right? Like Michael Jack stone and <laughs> setting it in the stone age i'm talking about real stone age man <laughs> real cavemen just didn't show up for work when they were sick <laughs> yeah there you go where else would you get this kind of knowledge other than the medical dads really that, that's right yeah information you can use that's our motto <laughs> <laughs> all right well anyways on that note hope your kids are well out there hope you as an adult listener you're well hope nobody really needs to use a sick note but if you do Migraine headaches, diarrhea, pretty good for a day's off. Pretty, pretty good for a day off work. <laughs> Migraine headaches, diarrhea, two actual reasons you should take a day off work. And you shouldn't need a sick note for them. But if you do, right. Dave will write you one. <laughs> for $15. <laughs> and I'll write one if your migraine is bad enough to come to the hospital or your diarrhea is uncontrollable enough that you need IV fluids. If you come and see me and you're that sick, then at the end of that, I will happily write a note for that day. We will see you folks all in a week.